HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Japan Needs. I'm your host, Kiko Katayama, food writer and director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from our studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every deli and supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi ramen izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I will try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And my guest today is Robbie Cook, who is the executive sushi chef at the highly acclaimed beautiful Japanese restaurant Morimoto in Meatpacking District. Traditionally, Japanese people believed that great sushi can be made only by Japanese male, but Robbie has proved that the idea was completely wrong. So we'll talk about how he got into sushi, how he learned sushi making, his new cookbook, and much more. But um, before we start, I have a quick announcement. March 11th was the fifth anniversary of the Japanese Tohoku earthquake and the tsunami, which killed about 20,000 people. Even after five years, there are still 180,000 refugees living in temporary facilities, and they are struggling for a better life. So um, to support the victims, the Philharmonia Orchestra in New York, also called the Pony, will perform at a jazz at the Lincoln Center on March 29th and 30th. Pony will play two landmark symphonies of Mauer and Balios, and also it will play, I'm sorry, uh, it will show unprecedented visual spectacle to bring the music experience to the next level. Um, Pony has commissioned international stage director and a video designer, Joaquim Schamberger to create a full-length film to accompany the two symphonies, and they will be projected in 4K pixel resolutions on the massive screen and the projection towers. A group of Japanese high school students from the Tohoku region will also join the orchestra. A portion of the concert's proceeds will go to benefit Project Hand in Hand educational efforts, which aim, aims to support the recovery of the Tohoku disaster by creating international friendships and exposing students to global views through the Pamao music. So, um, for details of the concert, please visit 
newyorkphilharmonia.com/concerts. It's nyphilharmonia.com/concerts. And um, there's another event coming this coming up this week. Um, on Wednesday, March 24th, there is a small stew party at Brooklyn Brewery in Williamsburg. Sumo is now in the middle of the uh, season, and you can see the live streaming of sumo matches from the Grand Tournament in Osaka, Japan. And you can taste plenty of delicious Japanese food, including sumo wrestlers' traditional pot dish, chankonabe, sushi, bento box, sake, shochu, and Japanese whiskey, and of course, uh, Brooklyn beer. Tickets are available at sumostew.com. And that is sumostew.com. And for Japanese listeners, there is a discount, Brandon Family discount code. And when you go to the website and purchase the ticket, enter Kanpai, it's K A N P A I, and you get 15% off out of $50 admission fee. So please go. And now let's talk about sushi. Hello, Robbie. Hey. Welcome to the, to the, the Japanese. Um, so, first of all, I'm sure everybody wonders how did you get into sushi? Um, I guess sushi started like early 2000s. I was going to college at University of Iowa,、mm-hmm. and I had some、uh, Asian friend, Korean from Laos.、Um, we were actually making sushi on our own, and then I would like make sushi and like take it to parties. Wow.、Uh, yeah, so, and people were like pretty impressed with it.、Um, so, I kind of got into it, and of course, like that was the Iron Chef time. Early Iron Chef was very popular,、mm. so we would watch that and, and get into more like Japanese food.、Uh, and we had access to a little more ingredients from where I grew up in like rural Iowa,、mm. you know?、Um, yeah, and then I kind of quit, quit going to college, found out about this, this sushi school, and decided to make a move to California and go there. Oh, wow. So, what, which、uh, sushi school? It was the, the California Sushi Academy in、mm-hmm. Venice,、uh, Santa Monica.、Mm. Okay. And、uh, what was、uh, so special about sushi for you compared to other k i n d of food? I guess me growing up in Iowa, you know, we didn't, I didn't have sushi until like, later in high school when I traveled to like, Colorado with snowboarding and those things. And,、right. and finally, you get my first chance to eat it. So, it's very new to me. Something cool, like interesting,、mm. um, kind of really drew me in. Yeah, actually, you know,、oh, the、yeah. art of it and, and seeing chefs with like the, the sharp knives and, and all of that.、Mm. Okay. And in Japan, sushi is something you should learn from spending decades from the master, just as described in the movie Jiro Dream of Sushi. But obviously, the school did a wonderful job for your career. So, how do you like the school? The, the school was great. I mean, and especially my career is totally different than Japan.、Um, a little more fast tracked, which I'm grateful for.、Um, the school was great.、Uh, you know, pretty much four months、uh, go to school every day. And the guy Toshi,、uh, Toshi-san, had three restaurants at the time called Hama Sushi.、Mm. So, I would go to school in the morning and then just go work for free at any three restaurant that I wanted to the whole time for four months so I could learn from the head chefs and,、mm. and just、wow. see how a real sushi bar is ran.、Mm. That's really hands on. Yeah, it was great.、Right. I learned so much from not only sushi, but like the first part of it was you know, basic Japanese cuisine dashi、mm. to soups,、um, everything actually.、Mm. Right. I'm curious, so who are the other students? There, it was actually a lot of women and、um, people from out of the country, like Israel, and、hmm. it was very, very weird, but. <laughs> Which was another great thing. The, the class was limited to like 15 people.、Mm. Um, so it was very tight knit, and we all knew each other 
and saw each other every day for four months. Mm, right. And then, um, so they, they graduate and then work in Japanese restaurants? Most went on to, yeah. And then, you know, during that time, we, we had to do like an internship, uh, like so many hours before we could graduate. And then it was pretty amazing. You know, Toshi ran like, it was in LA area, so we would do like cater like high end parties in Hollywood mm. to like events at the Staples Center. So, oh. got to see like how sushi was really uh, getting busy in California at that time. Mm. Right, and I don't think there are many sushi schools yet. No, that w- Toshi was the first one in the States, and then um, his apprentice, I think his name is uh, Andy Matsuda, um, mm. started the second one, maybe California Sushi College now or something in, mm. in L.A. Right. Yeah. Okay. And it's just amazing that, you know, the reason you started getting interested in sushi, and also like 50 years ago maybe, people were saying, what is sushi? What do you eat? Do you eat raw fish with fish? And that's kind of like complete transformation of you know the fish perception in this country yeah especially where i grew up you know nobody knew what sushi was <laughs> so right well even even now when i go back you know they're like oh you eat raw fish you know of course you know but once they try it it totally changes their mind you mm. know what how fresh and tasty things can be right i'm sure your parents come to morimoto and then yeah you know they never had sushi either so once I started like getting them into it, now they'll pretty much eat anything. Uh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Education. <laughs> and their friends that come to New York. My mom sends people into Morimoto mm. and, and, and their friends. So. Oh, wow. Fantastic. It's great to like kind of school people up and show them what sushi actually is. Mm. Okay. And what was the biggest challenge in learning sushi making at school? Or like, you know, could be in general, even up to now. The biggest challenge, um, just like sticking with it, um... And like practicing every single day. Um, I, as far as moving to New York, you know, it's very hard. That's kind of why I went to sushi school mm. and moving to New York afterwards. I'm a white guy trying to get into a Japanese restaurant where it takes years of apprenticeship. Mm. And, and I think once I had that good, proper skill set, it was easier for me to, to mm. go to these Japanese restaurants. Right. Because they can tell. Yeah, exactly. Right. <clears throat> Okay, so, well, maybe you can recommend I go to such school for our listeners? I would definitely, you know, it's an kind of easier way to get into the Japanese culinary world, Um, Mm. especially if you have a foundation, the chefs are probably going to treat you a little little more respect and and allow you to come into the restaurant without those years of washing dishes and rice and... (laughs) Right, cooking rice in 10 years and (laughs) that kind of thing. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Okay, and where did you work after graduating, graduating from the school? Well, yeah, I didn't really have any friends in California, so my plan was uh, I had two of my great friends here in New York, mm-hmm. um, so I went to sushi school, and then my plan was to move here, um, and I went to culinary school right after that, Institute of Culinary Education. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to round out my career, and then the culinary school kind of also got me into like the, the wider spectrum of, mm-hmm. of restaurants and you know, high-end restaurants, not only Japanese. Right. Um, so I went there, and then my first internship was um, uh, Sumile mm-hmm. with a Josh. Oh, Josh yeah, Josh was great, man. I, mean, I learned so much, and then like it was called like dreams come true. Mm-hmm. We're, we're the investors, so right. they would come in and eat. And I think Josh was like really ahead of his time. You know, the, mm. the Japanese food he was doing, like so-called right. not fusion, but kind of like Frenchy American mm-hmm. with like. 
awesome Japanese ingredients. Right. So he highlighted certain ingredients and not more naturally incorporated into Western style. Definitely.、Okay. And then he knew that I went to sushi school and I had already like, developed more skills. So、mm. like, he would let me cut the fish straight away more than. The chefs that he hired there,、right. which was amazing. So I work like kind of garde manger, like crudos,、mm. um, you know, kampachi, toro dishes. So、right. it was great. He let me just kind of cut all the fish and do my thing, which was really amazing. And、mm. I learned so much from him. Wow. Okay. And then、um, how did you get the job at the Morimoto? Yeah, be, well, I guess I bounced around quite a little bit before that、um, while going to. Culinary school, I opened、um, this restaurant called、uh, Angura.、Mm-hmm. It used to be like one of the, f- I heard it was one of the first sushi bars in New York on like 12th and 2nd Ave、mm-hmm. called Mie, and、mm-hmm. they sold it to a group of investors. So it was me and another Japanese guy working.、Um, I think that really helped a lot too because there w a s only two chefs, me and another guy. <laughs> and he's like, all right, you're by yourself on Sundays, you know?、Oh, so、wow. I do everything from like miso soup to cook rice,、mm. cut fish.、Um, Kind of bounced. I went open like、um, Koi, Bryant Park Hotel,、mm. and then ended up at Bond Street. And、right. that's kind of where I met Chef Morimoto.、Mm. He came in to eat、um, prior to the opening on a Sunday night and kind of ended up, he saw me working and kind of called me over and he's like, hey, you know who I am? And I'm like, <laughs> of course I know who you are. And I had actually applied、um, to Morimoto Restaurant through like the Star website.、Mm. And he's like, Well, why don't you just come in for an interview? And、wow. so it was like the, the following Friday, I went in and basically worked all day. And they ended, up, they ended up getting very busy. So I just started making sushi. And he kind of saw me and was like, wow. All right, when can you start? And, like, <laughs> and he knew the chef,、um, Hiroshi, at Bond Street. So he's like, Hey, can I take him basically?、Mm. And yeah, so I did my two weeks at Bond Street, and then this was right at the start of the opening of Morimoto in New York, and I've been there ever since. <laughs> oh, wow. It's like a Cinderella story, right? Long time, yeah, a long time. Well, ten years in February, actually. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Right. And well, I have、uh, known Chef Masaharu Morimoto for a long time through my interviews for articles and judging on Iron Chef America. But he's really funny in his public appearance, but he's very serious. Of course, yeah,、right. very serious. Right. So, what did he teach you?、Um, it was amazing working at, you know, with Chef during the early years. You know, we had the omakase bar where he would work every、mm-hmm. night, you know,、mm-hmm. like with these kind of like high end dinners. So, Amazing to see him work and like develop dishes. And as well as the Iron Chef, you know, they would practice downstairs and、mm. I would just like run and help him get any fish he wanted and, and things like that. But as far as learning from Chef, you know, he's, he's like a true artist、um, from plating to detail,、mm. um, like reading customers and just like the organization of composition of a, a plate of sushi or sashimi.、Mm. And, you know, he's a big knife. Geek as well, so I kind of <laughs> got that from him and just kind of like how to handle knife and take care of knives、mm. and you know the respect that the knife should have,、right. I guess. Right, and he's really perfectionist. So I know you, you have you guys have a、uh, you know the bonite flake maker downstairs, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Instead of like already made bonite flakes, he just likes the freshness of it. Yeah, we actually started doing a, a month a dinner again. A chef comes in and we just do like the omakase bar style like he used to.、Mm. Um, so we just brought that machine back up and、oh, wow. fired it back up and shaving fresh bonito flakes. It's、mm. pretty amazing, right. Great flavor, too. <laughs> yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah, you can just smell it right when it 
start shaving. Right, like a fresh pressed juice or exactly. no ready made juice. Right. Um, so uh, you proved your talent and skills at Marimoto and got promoted to executive sous chef. So what was the reaction by your colleagues to have an American person to be an executive sous chef? I think it was good. They were really behind me. Um, the the chef before me, Makoto-san, you know, he was great. He really schooled me up hard mm. and was like, now's your time, you know, this, just step up. So mm. there was basically like a year window. I'm pretty sure like chef never said I was executive sushi chef. Mm. But so a year I was basically running sushi bar and doing everything mm. until like 2008, 2009. And then he finally started introducing me as like head sushi chef, mm. exec chef. So wow. it's good. And then it's great, you know, like uh, Ishi san, Omai san, they were mm. kind of behind me and helped support me right. quite a bit. It sounds like, the, yeah, Makoto san, Ishi san, Omai san, oh, they all went to great another restaurants. They're like, it's like Morimoto is a graduate school. Yeah, yeah. Right. So actually, Omai, Omai san came back and now, he, you know, he's running the Omakase bar. So mm. he supports me a lot and you know, allows me to snag his ingredients right. <laughs> and those things, so it's good. Right, it's amazing. Okay, and uh, how about the reaction of the customers to find uh, the non-Japanese sushi chef at the counter? Yes, yeah, tough sometimes. You know, some people are not um, so into it, but you know, like I said, I've been there almost ten years now. I've had regular customers for almost eight eight of those years that have been coming so mm. you know if somebody doesn't really want to sit in front of me that's fine we have a big sushi bar and, <laughs> and I like I have my own customers now so seats are pretty mm. booked up which is nice right but it's amazing still people have a perception of depending on who you are and true, there's a bias yeah, yeah you know it could be Chinese Korean mm-hmm. American and, and people's yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, it's like uh, if you go to Paris, there's so many great Japanese chefs from Japan exactly. and cooking, French cooking. So yeah. it's kind of the life is different. Right? Yeah, and I heard uh, Mr. Morimoto said uh, you, Robbie, can make sushi in Ginza, Tokyo, which is the mecca of sushi. You have to have really good skills. I really appreciate it. He kind of mentions that, you know, when we do public events and uh, it really boosts my confidence and, and mm-hmm. you know, helps me like focus to do my best, which. I appreciate it. And, you know, I go, when I'm in Japan, I go try to eat at, like, the super high-end restaurants and mm. check out, see what's going on, and maybe, you know, get some ideas. But I think we're doing pretty much similar mm. high-end here in New York as well. Right. I think I know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, uh, let's take a quick break here. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about Robbie's new cookbook. So please stay with us. You're listening to Japan Eats, broadcasting live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, and my guest today is Robbie Cook, who is executive sous chef at Morimoto in Meatpacking District. 
So, um, how do you describe the style of your sushi? I, sushi is、um, pretty classic style. You know, at Morimoto, he, since Iron Chef, the kitchen is more Iron Chef, but、mm. we source everything from Tsukiji, like super high end. So,、mm. try to keep it classic, but I kind of develop like a little more New York style, little toppings and、mm. slight variations. And I try to. Do not only straightforward sashimi, but kind of like composed sashimi、mm. dishes.、Right. Especially learning so much from Chef Morimoto.、Mm. Yeah. So, what、uh, listeners can eat your unique version of、uh, sushi or sashimi at Morimoto? Well, it's good. You know, we've been around 10 years.、Um, there's a little more freedom on the menu.、Mm-hmm. So, I actually have two of my dishes on the menu right now、mm. a scallop sashimi with like a sudachi gel、mm. and a new、uh, striped bass carpaccio. With like Mizuna, Mioga,、mm. uh, white soy vinegar. Sounds great.、Uh, yeah.、Uh, I'm hungry now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right.、Um, so, but do you develop menu usually seasonally? Yeah, of course.、Mm-hmm. Um, Chef gave me pretty much full reign, which is amazing.、Um, we started doing, I think it was last year, like seasonal inserts、mm. um, and seasonal like, combinations sushi, sashimi.、Mm. And then we're also doing a couple creative roles, which are mine, and put those on the menu. But Yeah, kind of work with our purveyor, it's Kiji.、Mm-hmm. Not going to name any company names, but, but <laughs> it's great. They, they let me know what's fresh, what's good in season, and I can just change menu like,、mm. whenever I like. It's、right. great. So, season means it doesn't mean four times a year, right? In terms of fish, it's more frequently changing?、Or? It could be, yeah, like, definitely.、Mm. We, there are the four seasons, but there's also like, the in between, and then there's also like. The double season where, you know, like Katsuo, spring, fall. Right, they come you, back. Yeah, they... you see the fish twice, which is really nice. And they're a little bit different, fatty and not fatty.、Mm. So. Right. It must be really hard to be a sushi chef. Like, you have to understand everything. That's right. It's good.、Right. Especially, I'm、uh, fortunate, you know, travel to Japan and our fish purveyor will pick me up and take、mm. me around Tsukiji. So,、oh. kind of really study fit on fish and, and know what everything is. Yeah. Excellent. And、uh, where do you, I mean, do you source your, your fish all 100% from Tsukiji market? No, I would say maybe 75%, 85%.、Mm. Of course, local, you know, salmons,、uh, shellfish, whitefish, flukes.、Mm. East Coast is great, you know, with all the scallop, oysters. Okay. Mm. okay. And,、uh, oh, by the way, the, I heard the Tsukiji, Tsukiji market is moving. Yeah, yeah,、right. definitely. It's、yeah. pretty crazy. Big move for people.、Mm. So I heard、uh, so the Tsukiji opened in 1935 and、uh, it's the world's biggest fish market. And it's in Tokyo and,、uh, with about 900 licensed dealers and 2.5 million square feet of whole market and 400 species of seafood、um, sold per day. And Uh, 1,500 and 2,000 tons of fish is sold daily. And yeah, so the whole, basically the best fish goes there because it's sold at the highest price from, compared to anywhere in the world. Right? So,、um, so the, this year, in November this year, it's moving to another area in Tokyo. It's called Toyosu. So I think you can still get there by subway. But、um, I think. You know, that's Kiji, it's been so loved by everybody. And、uh, because of the more space, they need more space and has sanitation issues from the aging facilities. They, I think, Tokyo, city of Tokyo decided to, or the government of Tokyo, I think the whole 
Tokyo decided to move. So, do you hear any reaction from your, you know, counterpart in Tokyo? Of course. I, I mean, you sent me the questions, so like. I was actually talking with one of my fish guys this morning.、Um, mm. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, about, you know, I've, I have friends in Tokyo too, so they kind of told me about it. But I think in general, everybody's happy.、Mm. That, you know, it's going to be like state of the art facility, more up to health code, if,、mm. you, if you will, because it's so old, you know, it's not,、mm. they're not following all the practices that should be、right. taken care of. But it's also kind of sad.、Um, I've heard like, The older purveyors, some are just going to retire.、Mm. They, they don't want to make the move.、Right. And it's also kind of time for the younger generation to step、mm. up. But I was talking with my fish guy too. He said some of them don't want to step up, you know, because <laughs> being a, a fishmonger or a fish purveyor, it's tough work. You know,、mm. you're up at like two, three in the morning,、right. working all day, and the younger Japanese crew. They, they don't want to do it. Right. Yeah, it's very cold in the wintertime. Yeah, it's cold. It's a lot of ice everywhere. But hopefully, you know, the new facility, it's, everybody's happy. It's going to be beautiful.、Um, oh, that's good to know. Yeah, and, and I think the outer Tsukiji part, I heard they're going to keep it. You know, it's like a national treasure, which、mm. I love going there. I always go there, buy knives and little. Tools. So,、right. so, so they're going to keep the outer part、um, mm-hmm. just for more tourist style. Right. So, outer part basically, but our listeners don't know, so it's,、uh, inside it's a real market. And a certain part, like tuna auction, that's, it's not open to the public. But、uh, basically, you can go shop, right? And outer part is a whole range of different fish related. Yeah, it's great. There's everything from knives. I mean, you can go, you see housewives there buying little. You can buy like sushi grade fish or everything that's already cooked or、mm. pre made sushi for you already. Right. Or、mm. just go eat sushi there,、right. <laughs> which is great too. Right. So you can just eat sushi five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah.、Right. I don't go quite that early anymore. I used to the first couple trips and then maybe nine o'clock now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm glad that they're going to remain. And it's close to Ginza, which is another. Yeah, that's what we usually stay in Ginza. You know, the best sushi's there,、um, some good shopping as well. Right, <laughs> right. Okay.、Um, so,、uh, yeah, I'm sure you've been to Japan like so many times, but how do you compare the sushi culture here in Japan? And I think sushi's,、uh, chef's mindset is very different between here and there. Yeah, it's a little. Strict in Japan, a little stiff. You know, you go into a sushi bar, there's no music. Everybody,、oh, yeah. <laughs> everybody's quiet, just <laughs> sitting there, like waiting for the next piece of sushi. But it's also a good thing, too.、Um, mm. I, I like, you know, that's when you really experience sushi and,、mm. and can enjoy it.、Um, right. But you don't see a, you know, creative kind of sushi normally, right? No, it's usually the straightforward omakase,、mm. piece by piece, but. I do, I do like their kind of, what's it called? Like, otsumami, like the, the first couple、mm-hmm, like of like. Snacky. Yeah, snacky, small sashimi dishes. So、mm. there you see a little bit of creativity,、mm-hmm. but it's definitely not like here in the States where, you、right. know, saucy or crazy <laughs> rolls and stuff like that. Right. And if you get to go to、uh, the same place and then the owner started to serve you like that, because it's so new. It's not on the mini, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me give you that, that kind of thing. So, there's a lot of community feeling at a local sushi place because I think every corner or, or every single town has、uh, their favorite sushi. Yeah, from、place. low end to high end.、Mm-hmm. It's, it's good. Right. So, do you have any recommendation as an area? Go to Ginza for listeners if they go to Japan?、Or? Yeah, my last trip, the 
we did like two sushi bars really good it's called a sushi yoshitake mm-hmm. um they're like three michelin which was really great his right his vinegar is like the edomai like straight uh red vinegar mm-hmm. so it's a, little, it's a little different but the the sushi was amazing mm-hmm. and then we went to another one it's called sushi uh, ginza Mm-hmm. He's a younger chef, like 30-something, which was very nice, too, yeah. Mm. So maybe uh, some new new movements happening. Definitely, definitely a little bit newer style. Um, it's a small restaurant, you know, they're like seven, eight seats, but mm. right. he's, I think, he's uh, do, doing great stuff, for right. sure. They need to be smaller, right, than here, in, in terms of the Always, center. yeah. Unless you're, I guess... Yeah, like if there's one or two chefs, it's going to be smaller. But you also see those larger sushi bars where it's just mm. eight chefs, you know, oh, yeah. super busy. <laughs> right. Yeah, some of the near uh, tsukiji. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they got they got to have full uh, chef power in there to keep up. Mm-hmm. Right, and they have a really lively, you know, the greeting, <laughs> yeah. young greeting. It's shy, yeah, right. and everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. Either way, it's fun. Right. Okay. Um, so, so how do you see the future of sushi in this country? I think the sushi is good. There's, you know, people love eating sushi, uh, go out every night, and it, now sushi can be incorporated into like a full restaurant. Not not only sushi, but you know, izakaya mm. or like high end restaurant like Morimoto, where we, we have full kitchen menu, mm. omakase bar. Um, right. It's good, and you know, there's always new sushi bars popping up. Mm. Nakazawa, you know, Sushi Zo, right. those places. What else? Kosaka's new one. Mm-hmm. Right, Kosaka's uh, used to be the ship used to be at uh, Jewel. Jubako, yeah. Right. Probably go check it out. Mm. Sushi Ko. Right. So, do you think it's becoming more authentic in terms of the style of sushi in this in New York, at least? Well, I think there's kind of this movement where they're following. Japan, you know, they want to do the omakase. Everybody's like, hey, let's do the omakase thing mm. instead of, you know, piece by piece. So. Right. Yeah, it's an educational experience, too, Yeah, right? Because you never know what... It's good. Some people don't want to order, which which is very nice, too. You just go in, play the, pay the flat fee, that's <laughs> it, and eat. Right. And you can learn a lot about what you've never seen, even. Yeah, definitely. Right, seasonal fish. So, and now you recently published a cookbook called uh, The Complete Guide to Sushi and Sashimi, um, published by Robert Rose. So what can we learn from the book? Yeah, it's been a long year in the making, but uh, the book is out. Um, the, the book is uh, a sushi guide for home cooks, but it's also almost textbook style. There's nothing really new, but we covered everything from the basics of mm. sushi, from sourcing fish to filleting to making rice where to buy rice mm. um how to sharpen your knife right pretty much everything yeah mm. yeah i have a copy and then it's everything is step by step step and then i think there are over 600 photographs yeah which is amazing it's good i basically had took a week off of work and set up a stu- uh, sushi bar in a studio <laughs> right it's good andrew scavani did all the photos he's mm. a great photographer works for the times and stuff right. and i just want to thank jeffrey elliott too for uh mm. co-author yeah co-author bringing me on board and robert rose of course mm. okay so yeah jeffrey did a lot of cookbooks and a very experienced talented chef too. yeah you've probably met him before he's worked with chef and has been in, in the scene for quite some time right Okay, and uh, so how many recipes in the book? I don't even know. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, 
I, I didn't count. But uh, even from, you know, the types of Japanese knives, that was very useful, you know, because you don't know which one to buy. And there's a nice detailed explanation. Yes, Jeffrey has worked, you know, with Henkels and Zwilling uh, mm-hmm. for quite some time. So, And he's also done a, a knife skills book, The Complete Guide of Knife Skills, prior to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really wanted to feature knives and, and kind of kind of school people on, on, on various types of knives that are involved in Japanese cooking mm-hmm. and that you would need. But, you, you know, you don't necessarily need all of them. A couple good knives in your kitchen and you're good to go. Right. Yeah. And I think the really the, the, what kind of rice you're using for such making to vinegar to... That was really useful. I was reading, oh, I should make this at home. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's very nice. It's a spiral-bound hardcover spiral, so it actually lays flat on the counter and you can follow it step by step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and, don't and have to hold pic- it. No, yeah, and the picture. If you do get lost, you can follow the pictures. So right. we try not to leave uh, any steps out. Mm. So, uh, what's the key to making great sushi? Like quick version, like a couple. Things. Yeah, I think a rice cooker. If you don't have a rice cooker, it's a great investment. Pretty foolproof, you know. It has the the water measurements for you, mm. um, and you just hit the button, and the the timer goes off, and it's perfectly cooked rice. So mm. that's a good start. Um, it's more about uh, repetition at first. I would say keep your ingredients low, you mm. know, cucumber roll or tuna roll. Start with those and just practice, practice, practice. Mm. You don't want to go out and buy a ton of fish and just, you know, not that you're going to waste it, but it's just too much going on. So right. start simple and kind of work your way up. Mm. And what kind of knife uh, should we have? I think like just a sujihiki is nice. So sujihiki is like your classic slicer. It's mm-hmm. a more of a thin, thin blade than a, a Western chef knife. Mm-hmm. And you can fillet fish with that, or chop scallions, or slice uh, maki rolls, or sushi. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Great investment. Okay. And what about rice? Rice, you know, the rice cooker. But uh, you cook rice, and then you have to add uh, vinegar, sugar, that kind of thing. So. Yeah. Uh, koshi hikari is kind of like a medium short grain. Nowadays, pretty much everything's grown in California. You can find nice uh, Japanese rice, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Sunrise or Mitsuo Market. Mm-hmm. But a nice uh, California short grain, medium grain is nice, koshi hikari. And then, like, the recipe in the book kind of make it super simple. Mm-hmm. Um it's a rice vinegar, sugar, and salt, mm. and kombu, which is seaweed. Mm-hmm. Um, try to make... I, I like kind of like medium sweet, mm. not too salty, and which is good kind of for the American palate, mm. especially with rolls and those things. But you can kind of change it as you develop if you want a little more vinegar, a little more salt. Mm. But like you said, uh, the vinegar can change the whole... Yeah, you could be... Like at Morimoto, we use equal parts red and white mm. to balance it out, so the red has a little more punch to it. Mm. Um, but if you don't want it, you can always buy it at the market, pre-made sushi vinegar, mm. which is nice, too. Right. So maybe you can start, start from Yeah, there. start with that. Keep it simple. Right. Okay, so listeners, it's, uh, the book is The Complete Guide to Sushi and Sashimi from uh, Robert Woods. It's available Amazon. And Amazon, Barnes & Noble in the city. Right. Good, good. Okay, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, cool. Right. And uh, so, now, let's talk about the fish shortage, because it's becoming a serious issue lately, and I heard that about 85% of fish stocks are at a certain kind of risk globally. So, as a sushi chef, how do you tackle this issue? Yeah, I mean, we try to use fish in season, not mm-hmm. just one type of fish all year round. Um 
use like more sustainable fish like shellfish and clams mm. um uh, like more and more we try not to use only bluefin tuna mm. yellowfin big eye in season mainly use fish in season um some farm raised are very nice as well uh, use like organic farm raised mm-hmm. which kind of helps and yeah i mean, guess if you're a consumer you know you go to a sushi bar Try not to order toro every time. Right. You know, it's toro, 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 or bluefin tuna, mm-hmm. those things. But there's also um, a great company in Japan called Kindai. Mm-hmm. Um, they do, like, sustainable farm-raised bluefin. Right, because the tuna is very hard to farm. And I heard that they they are in a, if it's a, in a small space, they just swing too fast they keep themselves and they're kind of really hard to exactly and mm-hmm. a lot of people say oh it's farm raised tuna but they're actually catching the wild tuna and putting them in mm-hmm. the pins where kindai they're growing from the embryo and then they keep them in different stages of sizes of pins depending on the size of the fish mm-hmm. and they're also you know it's out in the ocean free a lot of water's flowing right plenty of room to swim um and they're also fed naturally not like Food pellets or one mm. type of fish, so, right, so they're, really they're eating their yeah natural squids, sardines, mm. mackerels, which really helps. Right, yeah, I heard it's a kindai is the name of the university, so it's really yeah. like it's a kinky university actually, right. and then kindai is the, the name of like the, the company, but mm-hmm. they're doing great great stuff as well, and they also offer like Thai snapper, mm-hmm. um, flukes, kampachi, mm. and shimaji, so right. it's a great alternative if you have access to it. Mm. So maybe price maybe is still higher or <coughs> I'm sorry what the price may be a little higher. It is yeah it's mm. definitely higher. Um, the quality is great though super clean tasting not mm. like some other farm raised type of fish. Right so maybe that's the future of. I want to check it out too. I heard they open their own restaurant in Tokyo and they use only uh, kindai fish, oh, wow. which is interesting. Mm. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. And. Uh, <coughs> Let's see. So, there's another thing. Um, in New York City, there is a huge debate about whether or not sushi chef should wear gloves when they make sushi at the counter. So, what's your opinion about it? Um, if the health department is there, wear gloves. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I can say. Um, I think it's BS, basically. You know, old school Japan, nobody's wearing gloves. Right. Um, you get really yelled at, probably, if that happens in Japan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but... You think everybody that's making your salad in New York is wearing a glove? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Not at all. Right. Um, it's true. I mean, if you have to wear it, wear it. Right. <coughs> but I me. think uh, the sushi chefs, you know, the whole use of vinegar and constantly cleaning the surface and the knife. Oh, yeah. I mean, I probably wash my hands over 100 times a day, mm-hmm. um, you know, with cleaning, but cutting boards are sanitized, you know, all the fish is handled properly at proper temperatures mm-hmm. that's that's a main thing as well right it's not only touching the fish but keeping it at the proper temperature mm. right because <clears throat> in a long history of sushi making in japan nobody died from almost nobody died from you know actually making sushi maybe transportation and you know bad temperature control yeah the old school days but right the same as eating you know oysters or anything it, it, here on the east coast mm-hmm. right <clears throat> so just the discretion Right. Okay. And, uh, well, it's a little intimidating to sit at a sushi counter, right? So yeah, sometimes. Yeah, but do you have any tips for how to order sushi for our listeners? Sure, sure. Um, 
first, you know, kind of feel out the, the sushi chef. You know, if they're busy, just mm-hmm. give them a little time. Um, don't make him angry. Yeah, don't make him angry. <laughs> uh, if you want to do, like, the omakase thing, you know, ask, just ask them. Just tell them what you don't really like or if you have any allergy. Mm. That's a good way to go. Um, you can ask him what's fresh. Um, also, if you're just sitting... You want to order? I always start with like a little bit of sashimi, mm. lighter fish, like white fish, mm. into like medium fish, then finish with sushi, nigiri, mm-hmm. and maybe a cut roll at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also good not to order like a ton of sushi at one time. Mm. It slows down the whole sushi bar, and oh, okay. you you want to eat it more fresh. You know, if you do want to, if you're hungry. Order maybe like five pieces at a time, you mm. know, or a couple pieces at a time. Mm-hmm. Right. When I usually like, I think if you go to Japanese sushi restaurant in Japan, you order piece by piece. Piece by piece, sure. Right. And have a conversation. Yeah, it's a different style here in New York. You, you know, you get like these huge tickets mm-hmm. with, you know, ten piece salmon, ten piece tuna. Mm-hmm. But. Right. So that's I think that's a cultural difference, and I think I miss here because it's a. The entertainment, right? The conversation with the sushi chef. Even you don't have to speak to the person. It's like a- yeah, you can watch, see what's going on in sushi bar, how we slice the fish, and mm-hmm. how it's made, and presentation, right. which is nice. Right. And then you know, I think you'd remember next time. Yeah. <laughs> right? So that kind of a cultural, right? Okay. So the order is from a light to heavy, like white fish to red fish? Yeah, definitely. Starting with sashimi is always a good way to go. Get your palate kind of warmed up. Mm. White fish, some nice clams, and then get into sushi and maybe some rolls at the end. Mm. Okay. Maybe I'll see you this week. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, thank you for joining us today. Obi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, Very please nice. uh, keep leading the sushi culture in this country. Will do. Keep pushing it. <laughs> I'm not quitting anytime soon, that's for sure. Well, you're going to be <laughs> making sushi like Jiro. Yeah, long time. Long time. Right. It's okay. funny. We actually make sushi the same way because I'm left-handed, mm. but... Ah. I slice right-handed, and he kind of does similar with his left hand, mm. which is pretty weird. Have you been there? I have not. I've tried a couple times, but, you know, we'll try. Okay. Maybe sometime this year, maybe. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Okay. So, listeners, uh, if you'd like to know more about Robbie's sushi, please uh, visit morimotonyc.com. That's uh, M-O-R-I-M-O-T-O-N-Y-C.com. And again, uh, his new book is A Complete Guide to Sushi and Sashimi, available at Amazon and other bookstores. And if you have any questions or comments about the show, please contact us at heritageradionetwork.org. And by the way, we just launched a beautiful new website, so please visit our page. And Japanese is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, and Stitcher podcasts. Today's show was made possible by huge... Um, the uh, usual ramen and our engineer is David Tatasiore and thank you for listening I'll see you next week thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.